Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. Anything too early that's going to eat up the energy that you're going to need for later. Oh, and a fight has developed on the track. Oh, that was wow. a hard push. Oh, Sonia, we're laughing about this video. I couldn't believe it. An actual fight in a race. Have you ever seen anything like that in all your years of running? It does happen every now and then, but I suppose now you're more likely to get a video of it. There was one from a long time ago with the World Junior Championships. It must have been in the early 90s, and it was Haley Gebre Selassie and it's Kenyan runner Machuka finishing up 10,000 metres. And I don't know, for some reason, they didn't like each other. And um, when Gebre Selassie got passed, he got a big punch in the back. <laughs> now, watch Machuka in the red vest. They don't like each other, these two, and you'll see why. Bop! <laughs> That, that's how that propelled him across the line a second faster than it would have been if he hadn't punched him on the back of the head. <laughs> they didn't like each other even more, but I think Gabrielati got the benefit. He was giving some forward momentum. Yeah, he actually, we'll 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 drop that video into the notes because that definitely was crossing the line. But the elbows and the the bit of jostling is part of the deal. Um, it can be, especially in um, tactical races. There is some natural jostling and things that go on that is acceptable. But then you have this kind of, I suppose, Internet audience watching it who share it around. And if someone kind of is not happy about something, then they can build up a bit of a following pretty mm. quick and, and go the other way. But it, it's very minor compared to any anyone who's played GA or Komogi at any point in their life. Uh, what was the worst one you were ever involved in yourself? Um, oh, I think someone was digging up one about me there recently. I, I was involved in one in 1997 with um, Regina Jacobs at the World Championships. And um, I was falling and I grabbed her number and I think her shorts as well. <laughs> <laughs> she had words with me afterwards. She wasn't uh, very happy. <laughs> <laughs> We're 130 days away from our next target race, the Dublin City Marathon. And I'm going to sit down with Sonia here today. And talk about what you need to do before you head out on the journey. So you've decided you're going to do this. You've got your place. But now the graft begins. You have 130 days to get stuck into this, Sonia. And a lot of people don't have a notion where to begin or have done it before and feel like they just didn't get it right. Is there a first step that everybody needs to take and that if they miss that step, it can affect the whole thing? Yes, I mean, I think, that, well, this is 19 weeks out now, which, you know, that's plenty of time for the countdown to begin. So you've got about, I mean, I would say you've even got seven weeks to get yourself ready to really start training mm. um, for a Dublin Marathon with this. Um, because that's the main thing that you need to do is you need to look at where you're at right now and where you want to go. Now, ultimately, you want to finish the marathon. But then you have to decide, well, how well do you want to finish it and how comfortable do you want to be doing it and then also completing it? Um, so I think anyone who's looking at the Dublin City Marathon right now needs to have a good look at themselves and see where they are fitness wise, running wise, things like what's your longest run right now? 
And then the other thing is you don't want to get too excited. Like you don't want to start, you know, zoning in on the Dublin Marathon right now because it is a long way away. And you don't want to do too many long runs too soon because then you'll get worn out by it and saturated and, you know, you'll be ready to run it in September. Mm. Now, let me stop you right there, because when you say where you're at right now, the first two things you mentioned are fitness and running. But where you're at right now has to take a 360 degree view, to use the cliche term, because it's not just you running the marathon. I know this from the one that I've done in London. It really is an endeavour that will affect those around you. Is it worthwhile under this category one question of where are you at right now? Assessing or sitting down with your family or your loved ones to let them know this is what you're going to do and that this is what's involved. Of course, yeah. I mean, you have to include the people around you who will be will be supporting you at the end of the day. And yeah, you know, you want them to be supporting you and not kind of hating you for doing what you're doing because there's nothing like having negative energy, you know, towards you when you're trying to do something positive. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, over the next few weeks, you want to be getting them on side and, uh, <laughs> you know, outlining, you know, this is where this is going and uh, how you're going to plan around the family or, you know, your friends, whoever it is that you're, you're closest with, that you um, align what you're going to do with what's coming up for you as a family. And, mm. you know, the, the big things like, you know, what's going on with kids and school and their sports. I think I noticed a lot in recent times that, you know, there's so many adults taking part in sport and they're so into it that you know they don't always have time for the kids sports and so you have to find the balance so that everybody gets looked after because you know your sport is it's for fun and fitness and yeah you can get really into it and get involved with it but you know the kids are the ones that you want them to become involved in sports too you don't want them to get left behind because you're out there or, you know, on your bike for three hours every Sunday morning or you got to go for a long run. A thousand percent. Like, it, like this is a really big point, right? Because this just isn't about kids sports, is it? It's if you're turning around to your family and going, right, I'm going to train for this thing. You guys know I've got this place in this big race. You really, your sit down really needs to look at not just you saying, I'm doing this thing, me, me, me. It's like, how do we figure out a way to balance what I have desperately wanted to do all my life and what's going on in your life. (laughs) What are the priorities for you? So you don't even need to have little kids to do this. Balance is going to be the word the whole way through this uh, journey. Yeah, balance. And I think communication as well. It's really important not to assume that everybody is going to drop everything for you and that they actually know what you need to, the time that you need and you know, to be, you know, somewhat flexible on things. And sometimes it might mean, we had this last week for another reason, but it might mean getting up an hour earlier, you know, so that you're not, you know, taking up the whole day and everybody's not waiting for you (laughs) to get back from your run um, before you can actually get out and do stuff. And I mean, the best thing is if you have like kind of teenage kids and stuff like that, they love to sleep in. So, you know, get allow them to sleep and you get your run in and then come back and, (laughs) you know, you're all energized and wake everybody up and, 
and get going. Well, let's let's get to that. Get get up early because this was Sonia's tip of the week last week. Get a, this weather over here has obviously been unseasonably warm. I was touring in London last weekend and it was ridiculously warm. <laughs> I always think it's funny when you're away somewhere hot and you bring home to Ireland to tell people it's really hot here. They do not want to hear it. <laughs> They're like, well, it's very hot here as well. <laughs> it was ridiculous. London was insane this last weekend. But I took your advice got up i i think the earliest i got up was six to get the run in and sonia it's a revelation in terms of instant smugness unlocked you really feel like the smartest man in the world coming in at 8 p.m after your 18k long run is out of the way and sitting down to your hearty breakfast. Did you get out yourself early this week? Was was that the plan for you? Because I know you were in Norway and London this week. Yeah, I wasn't up out super early. I was up early a few times. And like the big thing I notice when you get up and out early, or if you don't get up and out early, is, you know, the amount of people that kind of start to filter onto the trails and the paths the later you leave it. And that's one thing I think that, you know, is a huge advantage to going out early. Like I went yesterday with Sophie to Richmond Park and we were a little bit late. We didn't really get going up about 9.30 and she was running and or it was just after nine. She was running and I was on the bike. In Richmond Park, there's just so many people running over there at the moment now and walking and dogs and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, we definitely could have been an hour early with that. But she just came from the US so you know I kind of let her sleep in a little bit because it's important for a bit of sleep as well if you're getting ready for races I suppose for us normal runners we can get up early and catch up on the sleep later on but (laughs) she like she must be exhausted after this this season and as you say the that kind of traffic of people over there as much as the heat is a reason to do this early summer months I couldn't get over it. Actually, I'll talk about this later in the show. I did a park run in Tooting this week. I was invited by a listener, Ralph Cunningham. I'll cover that when we go around the parishes later on. But that traffic in these parks at the moment, it, it is worth getting up to do it that much earlier, even if it isn't warm, just to have the place to yourself. So you were dodging all of this traffic along the way, were you? Oh, yeah. And it was funny, like we pat us. Somebody caught up to her then at one point and then they went past. And of course, you know, that's like red rag to a bull. You know, she's she's just like me. (laughs) And I'm trying to like hold her back thinking, listen, this is an easy run. I say nothing, but I'm not like encouraging it. But I can see, you know, the head is down and she's grinding up the hill. And then she gets past your man again. And for about three K, he's tracking us 10 meters behind. And it's Sophie, me on the bike and this guy who's like, you know, a trail runner. So, you know, there's there's always this kind of like when someone passes you, you kind of check them out and think whether it's okay to let them go or no, I should should be ahead of them. (laughs) So funny. And so funny you can see yourself in there. But it is, you know, it does tie back into what we're talking about here today in terms of comparing and looking over your shoulder at what other people are doing. Your first tip on this is to find out where you're at right now. The worst way to do that is to compare yourself to other people. My second question is, how do we find out 
where we're at right now? What's the best thing to do? And do you now need a professional set of eyes such as a Vinnie Mulvey or a club coach locally to take a look at your times and go, well, here are your paces? That definitely helps a lot. I mean, you can do it yourself, but it's very hard to tell yourself what to do. You can do it to a point, I think, but I think it's nice to have fresh eyes, to have somebody, you know, just have a conversation with somebody who understands and who can advise you and give you a little bit of direction and just kind of help you to plan things out. I think it's really important for, you know, every runner who decides an event they want to do to have input into the plan that they're going to do. And this, of course, impacts what we spoke about before about, you know, the commitments that you have outside of her. But I think to the most important thing really is to get a pen and paper and to have a conversation with somebody who you think can help you. And that can be a coach, it can be another runner, somebody somebody you know who's going to do the marathon. Maybe you can work together mm. and plan some runs or training sessions together because, you know, if you share the load, then it halves the load. Mm. And it becomes so much easier when you do get out there with somebody else and you're working together and, you know, you can talk about things as you go and share, you know, how you feel doing certain things. Yeah, and um, check back in and check back in like that. Like, I don't know about you. I'm, I feel like it's it, maybe it is. Maybe I'm about to say something that was, you know, true of you too. But I definitely needed that overseer. And in some ways, that's been the success of this podcast. That like, if I didn't know that Ireland's greatest track athlete was checking over my shoulder <laughs> to see if I'd done my runs, I don't know if I would have done these runs. Some of the benefit of enlisting that person is the accountability, is the sense of, well, Vinny's going to check. <laughs> They'll know. And that's part of being on Strava too. My next question, though, Sonia, is about that easing in. Whatever that person tells you, the first four weeks of your marathon training is what will determine whether you get to 42 kilometers on the day, I believe. How would you recommend someone eases themselves in, regardless of what level of runner they are? What should be in that first four weeks and what should they be thinking about the first four weeks of training? Well, I think the best thing to do is to find a template of what your week is going to look like. And, and that's a really good idea, I think, is to do it in four-week blocks. So you map out, you know, your long run is the most important thing. Then you have your session day, longer session day, which is kind of geared towards, like, threshold, marathon pace running. And then you might have a bit of a, a faster, sharper session in the middle where you might go a little 5K pace or maybe some hill reps, a little bit of fartlek. So you've got three days marked in here that are important days. And then you have to work out, okay, how much distance you're going to have in these. And it's gradually going to increase each week as you go along. Mm -hmm. And then how many other days you want to add in, how many days you need to take off. And so I think the easiest thing to do is to get one of these months to a calendar page with all the little squares and write, just like write little notes in there for yourself about, right. you know, how the week is going to look. Get a picture of the week and work. So you do four weeks at a time. So the ones right now can probably include some fun runs. If you're going on holidays, it might include running in some nice parks, going on adventures. And, you know, just use the fact that it's summer holiday time to 
you know, squeeze in some runs in nice places and just enjoy the running mm. and build up a general level of fitness. Mm. Um, and then, okay, you got to find out, are we going to do a little bit of gym work in here? And what kind of recovery are we going to do? Right. So recovery in, in all of this is going to be central no matter who you are. The one thing is the writing down, you know, what your four weeks is going to look like, what your template for each week is going to look like. But when you said at the very start, too much too soon is the danger here. You said the distance will increase each week. What is the percentage increase that is ideal? Because I'm sure there's people that will be starting going, got 42, I've got to get to 42. I need to bump this up 20% a week. What's the ideal percentage to increase week to week? Well, the ideal is generally about 10%. Okay. Um, but the thing is, if you start now and you increase 10%, you'll be like, you won't be able to increase anymore. You'll be over the top. Yeah. And, the and similarly, there. there'll be people that'll be, that won't get there if yeah. they're only increasing 10%. Uh, maybe. I Newbies. mean, 10% from now you would get there. So I think the, the best thing to do is to start at the marathon day and work backwards. Okay. And then you get to the point where, okay, where am I first going to run 90 minutes? Because that's a pretty good, decent long run. Yeah. And that's where you start increasing like your 10% from there. So that should take you about 12 weeks. Gotcha. Okay. Start at the day, work backwards. Yeah. That will give you the picture and the arc of how it's going to work and how you can get there. Do you need, if we're going four week blocks, do you need to allow for things not going well? Do you actually write that in that you need a week where you draw breath or a week that allows for you to be not on your game? Where's the wriggle room is my question. I think you should probably build that into when you have races planned. So some races you will run through them and just include them as part of the training week. But then other races, you might have a specific race where you want to see how fit you are. So it could be 10K, it's probably a good idea, a half marathon. So you would take it easy going into them. And particularly after the half marathon, you would take it easy coming out of it and recover from it. So I think that's where you can build in the kind of semi-down weeks. Mm. Um, but I don't think you need to build them in from the outset. But I think you need to be aware that, you know, if it feels like you're getting a bit tired, getting a bit worn down by this, that there's no problem taking a down week. And I think you did that in your last program, one that you did. So you take a bit of a step back and you re help get yourself kind of refreshed and re-energized mm -hmm. because it can be, you know, just a lot of running and wear and tear on your legs, mentally, physically. I mean, it, particularly if people are getting up early in the morning to do it, you know, they're going to full day's work, maybe have to come and do a run in the evening time or go to a training session if your group is training in the evening. That feels great initially. And as you're improving, it all feels really good. But then it can also wear on you. And, mm. you know, we all do have weeks or times when you're just a little bit more tired and a bit worn down and you just have to be able to recognize that and to be able to kind of either take the time yourself or talk to your coach or even your training partner and say, I think I need a bit of a rest here and, and not feel guilty about that, knowing that, you know, there's so much time that well, I was talking to um, one of the coaches here today, Collis Birmingham, about this. And 
how oftentimes people get themselves into a bit of a hole and they might have to take off five days or a week. Whereas they could have put their hand up earlier and said, oh, I need a bit of a rest here, take one day off and not feel guilty about taking the day off. And then you save yourself taking off five days or a week. In the second half of my conversation with Sonia, we're going to get Sonia's absolute commandments on marathon training, as in the non-negotiables. What can you not skip? What can you not miss out if you want to do this? What do you absolutely need in your locker? We're going to cover it all over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. It's how we make the show. You support it. This is a crowdfunded show. There's no ads over there. Come on over and check it out. Before we go, though, and leave this first half of the show, I want to give a massive shout out to all of the runners out there doing their leave insert right now who are probably <laughs> missing being out running and just enjoying this weather. Sonia, what's your memory of your leaving cert? What do you remember from that time? Because obviously America was calling in the distance. You had so much to look forward to, but a uniquely stressful event for everyone. Was it that way for you? Uh, not totally. I think I, I mean, I suppose there was some stress going in and everything, but I was very insistent that I wasn't stopping training. I was going to keep training every day. So I went for a run, I would think, every day throughout the Leaving Cert. And that was kind of my freedom time to get out and get a bit of fresh air. Mm. And I don't think I had any races at the time, but I had was able to, you know, come home, drop my bags and then head out for a run and then come back and restart again. So, you know, you, you could get rid of any headaches or anxieties that you had from the exam you had just done and then you know getting ready for the next one mm. i think it's really important to have that time out and you know running might be hard for people so walk may be just as good but i think it's really important to get out and a bit of fresh air and just enjoy you know the nice weather that you think you're missing out on because you've got to be studying and you know stuck inside in an exam hall Oh, Jesus, like I, I get like flashbacks to it all the time. And I definitely could have done with what you're describing there. My my exercise was literally walking to the train and from the train to school. That's all I remember being my my exercise. But the exercise is so crucial. If your kid is doing it, give them a best of luck from us. What was your favorite paper what was the one you knew I nailed that? And what was the exam, the Leaving Cert exam, where you were like, oh, shite, <laughs> what, what did I just do? I think my best ones were accounting and biology. Accounting and biology? Yeah, a very strange combination. A strange <laughs> pair. Uh, biology was all memorization, I, wasn't it? Drawing yeah, a graph. and I was pretty good at that, the biology. And then I liked the accounting, all the numbers. But I used to go around when I was running laps at the track and I would just be kind of trying to remember things in my head and drawing things. And so if I was running around the field and someone walked past, I probably wouldn't have even seen them. <laughs> you were studying you know, on the run. Lost, well, there's lost, a tip of the lost week. Lost in thought. <laughs> yeah, doing your study while running. And was there a bogey? Was there one that you thought I've screwed that up? I'm trying to think if I did French or not, or if that was in my interest. <laughs> I can't even remember. <laughs> But I know French was a disaster, the one, whatever, whether it was one or two that I did. <laughs> and I just scraped by on that. 
Were you a gambler? Final question on this. I was definitely a gambler. I was like, jizz lads, do not do Kavanaugh. It's a waste of time. It's not coming up. I was paddy power all over this thing. <laughs> Looking around the exam hall going, I told you. Did you were you a gambler or yeah. were you I'm gonna cover all the bases? I think I did everything. Yeah. I did everything. Yeah. I was I wasn't weighing things up and I definitely wasn't doing nothing on something. There was a little <laughs> bit of but there might have been some I would have been more focused on. And there probably would have been things I knew I could do really well as mm. well. Mm. And um, did you sit the, the SATs? Did you have to sit the SATs to go? Of course you did. Yes, I did. But I would have done them way in advance, mm. like in oh, March or April or something, I think. Yeah. I think I remember, I think it was up in CIT. Or was it? it was the regional at that point. Yeah. Um, and was it a piece of cake compared to the Leaving Cert? I, I suppose in a way it was, but then... I think I did really well on maths and not so well on the English because there was a lot of things in the English that were American words and American things. Oh, culturally that, biased. Unbelievable. Yeah. And then I said it were kind of it didn't make sense to the coach why I wouldn't have been as good in English. But th <laughs> then they realized then why. And then yeah. when you go to America, you have to take an English class, which is basically that. American English is not your first language or something. And I had, so I had to go in and write essays for a semester. <laughs> to make up for this SAT? No, no. I think every, every, as a foreign student, oh, everybody had to do it anyway. Yeah. Okay, very good. Well, yeah, uh, Creative writing, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my day. And I woke up and it was all a dream. Those, those kind of essays. Um, this is The Irishman Running Abroad. If this is your first time listening to the show, there's hundreds of episodes for you to go back and enjoy, including Sonia's half marathon training plan and her plan to help you break 20 minutes. For 5k and i know right now i've had the email sign you there's a bunch of listeners right now following that plan and i want to wish them all the very best of luck breaking 20 one of the best days you'll ever have and i'm so proud that i i did it even though i haven't done it in a while <laughs> i will get back there come on over to patreon.com forward slash irishman abroad and start enjoying all of that stuff that i just mentioned and hear the second half of this chat with Sonia O'Sullivan. one of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically you know exercise wise Imagine, you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress, 